Welcome to Munching with Michael, the all-you-can-eat buffet of food, culture, history, and just an all-around good time. Be sure to sign up for notifications, subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit up our Instagram, and edit our Wikipedia page to include erroneous facts that aren't even true. Come along. All right. And we're rolling. This is it. We have just started the official Munching with Michael podcast. This is episode one. This is the first one. And I'm joined today by our namesake, the patriarch, our godfather, Mike McNamara. Hey, Michael. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. This is really special. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, so here we are. So this is the first time that we've ever done a podcast. Uh, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast. Have you ever done a podcast before? I've never done a podcast. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, but yeah, I've never so done one. So you're a big, would you say that you're a big podcast guy? I, You know, I would say I'm a big, big podcast guy, yeah. Nice. Me too. Me too. Only recently, only in maybe the last couple of years or so, I've kind of... Uh, kind of gotten turned on to the uh the idea i maybe it's just finding the right podcast if you find the right podcast then all of a sudden it's like a valid way to spend your time i think yeah i think when when the times are good you know you could be swimming in podcasts but then you know sometimes it gets kind of hard to find the right one yeah Definitely. And I think, I think this is going to be a great podcast for our listeners. I think you're right. Yeah, I'm very excited because I think that, uh, I think that we have a lot to say, and I think that people are going to think it's really Definitely. interesting. Uh-huh. So I think the, probably the biggest question that I have to start off, to start off, uh, it's kind of open-ended. It just says, who are you? But I think that's a little complicated. So I think let's give a little context. So uh, you and me... I think we probably would have met, what, middle school? I think probably middle school. Yeah, eighth grade. Eighth grade. So that um, would have been between 1999 yep. and 2000. Correct. Correct. So I would say that would put yep. us at at least 20 years, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember going to your house. I remember playing basketball at your house. The first time I think we really hung out. You know? I think we were pretty evenly matched. You think so? Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Yeah. I think you wore your Carl Malone jersey. Um, yeah. I still have that jersey, actually. It still comes out from time to time. That's good. Yeah, because now uh, I guess I'm kind of far removed from that. But I remember uh, when I was in grad school uh, a few years ago uh, and actually went out and did a lot of socializing, 90s-themed things were actually, uh, that's like a thing. So, um, actually hanging on to that has been really beneficial because that's really authentic. Uh-huh. So I think that's interesting. So yeah, so we've known each other for about 20 years. We've been friends for, yeah, I'd say about 20 years. Uh, and then in March of last year, 2020 is when we all decided that we were going to launch Munching with Michael. Correct. Yeah. Now, the way that I remember it, I don't remember necessarily how it started, but from what I recall, I remember that I was living in uh, San Antonio. I moved to San Antonio and started working January 1st or 2nd of 2020. 
and then that's when the COVID-19 pandemic started. So by mid-March, everything was uh, kind of shutting down. Uh, we had all the stay-at-home orders. I just happened to be, I had a wedding that was yep. planned for March 28th, uh, and that did not happen. Uh, so my recollection, yeah, so the way I remember it was uh, just kind of sitting in San Antonio looking for stuff to do. Uh, and I don't remember. Do you remember exactly think, how this came up? I think it was mostly because I was a chef and I had lost my job. And this was like our easy way of, um, supporting me and my profession. Cause I was, you know, I had all this free time as well. So, so then, maybe I just remember it in a very me centric way. Well, no, I remember that that was kind of the, uh, that was kind of like the rallying, you know, commonality of it. Definitely. I absolutely. And that's actually, that's one thing I did want to get into. So you are a chef, you are a chef. And one thing that I want, yeah, yes, you are a chef, you are a chef. And uh, one thing I actually wanted to talk about for a little bit was kind of your origin story of getting a chef. Because we went to the same middle school and we went to the same high school. And when we graduated high school, we went to the same college, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, go Panthers, UWM, right? Yeah. And I had left Uh after, I moved down to Chicago after two years. uh, And then I remember that you started uh, on your culinary, culinary or culinary? How do you pronounce that? You know, I think it's really chef's choice there, right there. What's your choice Um, then? Because... Uh, I say culinary. Oh, culinary. Then I'm with you. Culinary. So how did you start? How did you start on your culinary journey? What was that like? Well, I would say it all started. um, I distinctly, I was, I was dating a a young lady back then. And I remember waking up at her house and uh, I was walking on my way to an exam and I walk into the exam room and nobody else was in there. And I say, huh. So I walk back to her house, go on a computer, and I, and I check the exam date. And it was actually the day before. <laughs> and, uh, and I just remember thinking, huh, I guess I'm going to culinary school. And, um, yeah, I uh, applied to culinary school for the next semester. And uh, That was at UWM? And here I am today. That was at UWM? That was at UWM. I mean – I mean, that's, I wasn't doing great in my other classes. Um, you know, as if I can quote a movie, uh, from, you know, from the early nineties, I spent my time, uh, occupying, uh, various administration buildings. Um, and yeah, so I, uh, I ended up just, uh, you know, not doing the, not giving my all into, uh, the university, but I really, I think I did pretty darn well in the tech school, if you will. Sure. Sure. Now this is kind of anecdotal. Who is the girl? Who's the girl? That was Chelsea. Do I remember Chelsea? I think you've met Chelsea. I think so. Um, Joe, Joe Stambo's, uh, uh, friend. Yes, that's right. Uh, Muskego, a Muskego gal, if I correct, if I recall correctly. Yeah, Muskego girl. Very good. Yeah, that's actually, you want to know what? That's really, uh, that's encouraging to hear because uh, I also have missed an exam at UWM. Uh, I think, I no, think. I think, I, I don't think there's, I think there's, a, it's, it's, it can't be us. It's got to be them and the way they post their exams. 
there there was the internet was brand new and they barely knew how to use it. <laughs> how are we supposed to know? Yeah, back in back in 2007. Yeah, I uh yeah, no, I distinctly remember uh that's actually that uh, and actually sleeping through or completely missing one of my exams was also kind of an aha moment for me that uh if I could fail so colossally that I couldn't even bother making it to a final, maybe what I was doing wasn't uh wasn't what I needed to be doing. Yeah, Maybe. that's that's definitely kind of an aha and moment. I just, you know, if the if the listeners are curious at this point, you are a doctor. So, I mean, I think you ended up you ended up pretty good yourself. I have a doctorate. But well, I think it was probably similar to you where it's not a matter of in, intelligence. It's just do you like what you're doing? If you like what you're doing, then all of a sudden, uh, you know. Uh, going to school it also all it of a becomes be- a lot more tolerable, oh, a lot more tolerable and a lot more fun, you know, and there's a lot more, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much better. So, um, yeah, so that's it. So you went to culinary, so you decided to go to culinary. Now, where did you go? Um, so I went, I went down the road to, um, MATC Milwaukee area technical college. Yes. Um, just, just kind of planning on getting a, a regular associate's degree, um, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal to to have in the in the uh, restaurant world, and it really proved out that that was right. It's really not that important in the um, in the uh, restaurant world. Uh, it's more about the work put in than than the degree that you have. But yeah, I ended up going to MATC, and I um, yeah, I did I did pretty well there. It was pretty pretty easy. So, um, I am thankful that for that, the fact that I, you know, I didn't go to the court on blue and, uh, a lot of the people I know that did, they are very, very much in debt. So I guess that's one benefit of the, um, of the tech school route. Sure. Yeah. And, and then, so, so people, you know, I don't, I don't think it's that uncommon or and maybe it is, maybe it isn't for people to have kind of a light bulb aha moment where maybe they get like a moment of clarity uh, to start, you know, transitioning towards something that's going to be more of a long-term uh, uh, solution for what they're going to do in life. So you had that kind of a moment, and you decided that culinary school is what you wanted to do. But I get the sense that something like that probably doesn't, you know, happen overnight. So it's probably something that was what somewhere down in your subconscious, or maybe you like. Where did the desire yeah, so- to want to go to culinary school come from? Well, I mean, as you remember, like in high school, I was always, I think, uh, the friend that would cook the most or the most interested in it at least. And, uh, you know, when we lived together at UWM, we did the, um, the family dinner nights, which I, I still look fondly upon. That was, that was a great time. Um, you know, getting some friends over and cooking a big meal and I was kind of always in charge of those. So I'd always had a history of cooking, uh, always into it. I guess I was always kind of scared of going down that path because I heard, um, a lot of drug use, a lot of alcohol, um, poor hours. It's not really conducive to a, a normal life. Um, so those kind of reasons I thought I'd just kind of cash in and get a generic degree at a, at a, uh, at a university. But when that didn't happen, I knew a culinary was always something I wanted to do um, or was always interested in, in at least. And uh, something I was always kind of naturally good at, I guess, or naturally – had an affinity to, therefore I was better at. Do you come from a big food family? Was uh, food like a big deal in your family growing up with family gatherings or? Um, you know, I think my grandma was a big, a big cook. She cooked a lot, uh, a lot of scratch cooking. Parents, not so much. 
And I think that might have kind of uh, spurred an interest in me because I kind of had to not fend for myself so much, but, um, you know, I did cook on my own much more often. I think it'll at a younger age. Interesting. And then at that um, time, you know, so- I always had in his, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I always had an interest in history and uh, culture, I guess. Um, when I was going to the university, I was going for history and education. Um, so I've always kind of been interested in in uh, culture, and I think that has a lot to do with cooking. I think cooking is a big part of culture. Um, so I always, you know, enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. Learning the history of it, learning uh, the different ways, you know, different areas cook, the, the ingredients that they used. And how that kind of uh, boils down into uh, the, you, yeah, you see what I did there? Yeah. That is interesting yeah. that you talk about the culture and the history, especially at, uh, that you can kind of tap into that as a younger person. Because I feel like myself now, a lot of like kind of the media or the, the you know, when I have time to watch television or, you know, kind of unwind like I've just been completely obsessed with like uh, you know whatever cooking shows are on just the last couple of years, and I feel like that's that's kind of why it's not necessarily even the food; it's the history lessons, learning about the regions and the ingredients, and why do people do the things that they do. But I never really mm-hmm. tapped into that until just the last few years. So I think it's really interesting that you know even in your younger days, maybe at the time if you're just tasked with making something for a group dinner, you know, as like a, a 20 year old, maybe that's not necessarily on your mind is why you're interested in it or maybe it is, I don't know. But I think it's really interesting that, you know, even at a very young age, you know, you had kind of the the sense of mind to be drawn to that that aspect of the field, you know? Yeah. But, but I guess it makes sense, you know. I th- I guess it makes sense. So um so then, okay, so you were at MATC, uh, which is an associate's degree program, right? Correct. So that's two, I don't know, two years, something like that? Two years. Okay, yeah, two so, years. so what happens after two years? So you go to MATC, you uh, start your cooking courses, finally you got a little bit of a knack for it, right? I would imagine. Confidence is starting to grow. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, um, So then, uh, as I... You know, I, I'm learning a lot during that time. I'm kind of working at at that time. I'm working at a kind of a dive bar uh, right next to the Bucks, uh, where the Bucks play their home games, which is the Bradley Center at the time. Now they play at the Pfizer Forum. So, um, go Bucks! Bucks are playing their games at the Bradley Center. I worked like a block away, just kind of flipping burgers at a place. Um, looking back, I had way more control than I realized, and I could have taken advantage of it. But one, you know, I was young, and I I didn't really do that. Um, so I was working there for a while. I finally graduated. And at the same time, uh, a mutual friend of ours was, he was planning on moving to Portland, Oregon um, to go out west with his wife. Um, but that didn't really work out. And he broke up with his, I guess that was his wife at the time. He, uh, he got married and he shouldn't have gotten married. And he was looking Listen. for something. He still wanted to move out west. And, and I had nothing going on at the time. Uh, so I said, John, I'll, I will move out with you. And that's, yeah, that's John Thompson. That's right. That is Hello, John Thompson. Uh, munch, munching with Michael member. Yeah, that's Munching with of. Michael. I don't know if he still could be considered a regular contributor, uh, but he's definitely a I mean, contributor. He, yeah. 
definitely a contributor. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, John Thompson. John Thompson, a staple, a staple, a uh, friend is, to the who brand. Is still out in out in Port, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, well, who is uh, still? So who yeah, is still I lived a year there with John, and I I worked at a bakery. Um, I didn't realize there were four culinary schools I had to compete with, um, and in Portland. So I it, I found it very hard to get a job. I finally found one at a bakery, which was all right. I learned a little bit. Uh, I got a job offer back in Milwaukee and uh, left after about a year. Yeah, that's right. Because I remember uh, I remember you guys coming in visiting in Phoenix because I, I was fresh in Phoenix. And you guys yes, had you made were. it out. That's right. I remember I was living in uh, uh, Queen Creek with uh, my girlfriend at the time's sister who had a really nice home. She had a beautiful, I believe you guys stayed with us, right? We were at a nice home. Is that right? A, a beautiful place. Yeah. I remember taking a shower there and uh, you guys had a lot of products in the shower. That's, that I messed around with. that's right. Because at the time she was in visual merchandising for the philosophy brand of skincare. That's right. And I thought, yes. I thought that philosophy skincare uh, line was done, but now, uh, with Alyssa, my fiance, we spend a lot of time at uh, Marshalls, and Philosophy is alive and well, and you can get their products at Marshalls. So, but yeah, no. So I remember you guys coming out uh, on your way. I was so excited to have visitors. That was oh my god, that was so wonderful. It was very rare. I was in Phoenix for nine years. It was very rare uh, to see anybody out there. Just I mean, it's really far away, so that makes sense. Uh, and people people shouldn't be living in Phoenix. It's just not a place to live. I think what's the line? It's not conducive to the line from um, King of the Hill. I believe that uh, Bobby. I think Bobby said that Phoenix is a tribute to man's arrogance. <laughs> the reason, yeah, why people even live there. Makes that no that sense. sounds about right. Yeah, I think so. That's that's a line that I always uh, I always I always laugh about. I always think about it. Yeah, uh, as long as we'll see, uh, Phoenix should be okay. Uh, I would love to one day get back to Phoenix. I really enjoyed my time there. Just as long as the Colorado River doesn't dry up, uh, and depending on what goes on uh, with the average climate, we'll see. But you're absolutely right. Like it doesn't seem like a very sustainable place, but it's a lovely place. It's a very nice place. Really pretty. Great in the great in the winter. Yeah. So yeah. So okay. So you spent time in Portland. You were in Portland for one year, and then you got a job offer back in Milwaukee, which brought you back home to roost, back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Sure. Uh, what was the what was the job in Milwaukee? Um, uh, it was to work at a hotel, which actually fell through because the guy that was working there that offered me the job got fired. So, okay, uh, yeah. so I actually found a job a job almost immediately. Um, what ended up being the busiest restaurant in Milwaukee. Um, I was there for a little bit for well, I guess for two years. What was the and restaurant? Then, uh, I started in. It was Cafe Benelux. That's right. Yeah, the, I, um, I yeah. I don't. I haven't lived in Milwaukee for sixteen or seventeen years, and I know Cafe Benelux. It's one of those places. Yeah, it's. It was. It was. I still tell people about how busy it was, and that people can't believe it. Um, so I worked there for uh, about two years, and then I got into the fine dining world with the, um, which is the Bartolotta Restaurant Group which has uh, a couple of James Beard award-winning chefs in it. So that was kind of my my big branch out into a bigger and better world. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, uh, so let's see. So then you were, at, okay, so you were at the Bartolottas. And then what were you doing with those guys? Or what was, so what's kind of the time frame? So we were at Portland, 
bakery for a year, moved back to Milwaukee. That would have been in, oh man, 2011, 2011, 2012. That yep. you moved back to yeah, Milwaukee? Yeah, I started. Two years, okay. Yep. Yeah. And then two years at Cafe Benelux. So that would have put you about 13, 14, right? And there, there was some overlap with the uh, Bartolotas and Benelux. That was a crazy time, which I was working like 80 hours a week. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then what were, then, okay, uh, so you're, yeah, then I went. oh, so what, uh, real quick though, just to kind of g- give me an idea. So you're kind of a, you're a few years into the industry. You've got a couple different jobs under your belt. So when you were at like Benelux and Bartolotas, what were you doing? What was kind of your role in the organizations there? Or like title. I don't um, know so, if you had a title. What would the title be? So, yeah. So Benelux, Benelux would have been my first. Um, line, where they would, what would they they would call a line job? Yep. Um, where you're a line cook, you actually are. You know, the order comes in and you execute the order and you send it out. Um, as opposed to like a prep cook, which is like prepping orders for the line cook or prepping product for the line cook. Um, so there, I worked the flat top. Which was interesting because Benelux had a their their concept was uh, what is called a panakuchen, and it is this. Um, Sounds like uh, a pancake northern, in German translation. Correct. Yeah. So so Benelux is stands for Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg. That's right. Uh, that's um, right. So they it was like you know what would they call that Northern Central Europe, um, and they they had these giant pancakes, uh, probably you know sixteen inches across. Uh, that was, you know, filled with stuff and topped with stuff and, you know, sweet and savory. So anyway, the flat top was in charge of that position. Um, so that was, that was pretty, pretty fun to do that. And then I worked the saute station at, um, which is, you know, a, a different station at, uh, the Bartolotta's. So then it, once you start getting into like the fine dining world, is that kind of the layout of what the kitchen looks like is you have multiple stations and you have one person kind of attending the different stations or is it different depend? I mean, I would imagine it's quite different, but is that kind of the, the general structure? Um, so the, it's called the brigade system. It's kind of, it's, it's, uh, based off of a military brigade brigade. Um, and yeah, there, so, Oh God, you know, one of our listeners is definitely going to correct me in the comments. I can see that coming. Right. <laughs> um, but it would, it usually goes down, um, executive chef or, um, corporate chef would be at the very top. And then like a, a chef de cuisine or a, and then below that would be a, uh, a sous chef or a, and then, uh, sorry. And then after sous chef would be, um, would be a Komi or Kami and that would be all the kind of the positions on the line. So um, the grill, the saute, the fry, um, the, the garmage, which is cold kitchen. Yeah, that's what garmage means. So uh, garmage would be like salads and some appetizers and stuff. Um, that sounds like then, a lot you know, of French terms. Below that would, yeah, but it really is. It is, um, or, you know, if you want to, if you get into a serious French cooking, it would be like roti, would be like the big roast, uh, chef or the the cook who cooks all the roasts. Uh, the entremetier would be the vegetable cook, and you can really. I don't. I don't know if 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 restaurants still really do it that segregated. But usually you have you have your grill cook, you have your saute cook, you have your fry cook, uh, you have your garbage cook. Garbage usually does desserts too, um, and yeah, that's how most kitchens are broken down nowadays. Wow. So I mean. I mean, you, you name all those different stations. So it, I mean, 
I'm trying to think of like somebody to become truly well-rounded and like know how to do everything. You can spend a lot of time. I mean, it probably takes a really, really long time to get good at all of those things or get experience. Like that's, I had no idea. Like I know, I know executive chef and sous chef and, you know, line and like the really, really basic terms, but I had no idea it got down to like that, that specialized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, and you know, saute is going to be making onions in some restaurants. Is going to be making uh, what? Sautéing onions. They might saute onions. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it happens definitely. Yeah. Well, I, you know, saute is going to be uh, use. You know, you know, saute is just like a pan on a on a gr- on a uh, on a what is it called? Heat uh, on a range. Right? Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's pan on heat. So they're they're going to be making steaks. So like they still have the skills to make a steak on a grill. It's all kind of the same. You know, a lot of them are transferable, and um, usually grill is thought of as the highest position. Yeah, and it, and it usually is. Um, Saute is a close second. You usually stick the new guy at fry or garmage. Um, yeah. Awesome. Very nice. Okay. So then you're at Bartolotta's. Okay. Right. We're still, we're continuing the journey. So you're at Bartolotta's. How long are you with Bartolotta's? Yep. Uh, Ooh, I, I lasted about seven years. Seven years. That's right. And that was, that was up to your most recent position, right? Um, kind of. Uh, so most recently I, the Bartolotta was opened or they, they were hired by a rich guy in Chicago to to open, he wanted to open a restaurant for some reason in Milwaukee. Uh, tell Alyssa, bless you. Um, you could hear that? And Oh, yeah, most definitely. Oh, my God. That's literally uh, down the hallway in another room. Yeah, this microphone. Very sensitive. Very sensitive. I can do that. Alyssa, very Michael sensitive. says bless you. Yeah. Yeah, he can hear you. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um. Yeah, so the Bartolottas were hired to open up a restaurant for a, a guy from Chicago in Milwaukee. And uh, so I kind of knew the chef, you know, a bunch of the Bartolotta chefs left to, to help open that restaurant. When the two parties split ways, you know, some of the chefs stayed there. So when I was leaving the Bartolottas, um, I contacted the chef, said, hey, you know, I'm looking for, at that time I was just looking for a part-time job because I, I just had a, a child. And uh, he hired me on right away. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. So that's, that is quite a lot of bouncing around. That's quite extensive. And then that, and yeah. then that lasted, lasted until uh, the, uh, I don't know if our viewers, our listeners have ever heard of it, but there's actually a global pandemic called COVID-19 going on. Um, Jim, it's redundant to say global and pandemic. It's just pandemic. Because oh. pandemic, Yeah. Pandemic, pandemic in, implies the global. global. Yeah, it, us, you know, it would be an epidemic would just be localized. So what you're saying is I just wasted a lot of time by saying global and pandemic in the same sentence. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A, so ton, pan- a ton of time. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, first of all, thank you for that. Thank you for that. So the you're pandemic welcome. called. Yeah, I just don't want you to make that mistake again. No, 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 no. And actually, I probably won't. Uh Come to think of it, I all right. We have a pandemic. Could I say global epidemic? Uh, I think that it, by definition, a global epidemic would be a pandemic. 
Okay. All right. Noted. 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 Yeah. So then that. Okay. So then the uh, the uh, pandemic. The pandemic. It should hit. all. I, you know, I've heard it. I've heard it will all be over by Easter. So it's not that big of a deal. That's good. Uh, yeah. Last Easter, and then it got pushed out until the uh, election results. November. Uh, November six. Well, I no, thought. it got pushed. Then it got pushed to when it starts getting warmer. Hot. And then November fourth. And then November 4th. January yeah, yeah, 21st. that's right. That's right. You know, I feel like we're losing a lot of listeners right now, Jim. Oh, uh, that's okay. Um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just talking about what I remember, you know, that's, it happened. Yeah. We didn't say that we didn't say one way or the other, you know, it just happened that we heard that. So, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I feel like we're turning a corner pretty quick. I think so. Uh, I hope so. I, I hope so. I hope so. So, um, so that happened, and then, uh, yeah, stay-at-home stay orders start, and then that's when you transition to full-time at-home care of your lovely child. That's correct. And here we are, just like that. And then from that, Munchin' with Michael was born, uh, a tale of one yeah, real... I think really Munchin' Munch with Michael really took off and was taking up a lot of my time at that point. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, me too. Um, although actually, uh, more so in the last couple of weeks, really just this year, this year is when I think things have really started taking off. Uh, I think that's really when we started or when we kind of transitioned from a, uh, merely, merely a YouTube cooking channel, truly to, uh, more of a, a global multimedia empire, I would say. Correct. Which is interesting because yeah. we had some, yeah, we had some good videos in March. Uh, some of the OGs was phenomenal. And then it seemed like we took a break for a while, picked up a little bit more in the fall. Uh, and then now, yeah, we're going strong, uh, coming out with some great new content. I, you know, I think, uh, I'll always think I'm always, a, I'm always our biggest fan. I think. Yeah. Remember to like, and subscribe. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Remember if you haven't seen any of our YouTube videos, uh, we're up to 18 number episode number 18 just got published. That's something to think about. We've had 18 episodes. Uh, and I think that's really good. I'm very impressed with us. A range of uh, a range of dishes too. We've got some vegetarian stuff. You, your baking is phenomenal. I'm always impressed anytime you're doing anything that involves baking. I'm always really excited. I know uh, your sourdough recipe is well, Jim. Is this What's is that? this a good time to to let our listeners? Well, you know, for all the listeners that let us that that listen this far in, um, we got a little something coming up called uh, sourdough. Saturday. Yeah, let's talk about. Tell me about sourdough Saturday. Um, you know, so I'm going to challenge myself for you know the next couple of weeks to. Uh, I'm not going to say a couple, more than a couple, uh, to to try to do a sourdough to release a new sourdough video every Saturday. Um, at least until the summer, right? So let's sure. do let's 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 pick a number, Jim. What do you think? Six, six videos. Yeah, I'm good with that. I think that sounds reasonable. Okay, let's I'll do hold six you videos. Now, so here's a so here's a question I have. So you're a big sourdough guy. Would you say you're a big sourdough guy? Yeah, I've been doing it for a few years. Yeah, why are you a big sourdough guy? Like it seems like in the in the the culinary world, I feel like baking is uh, very much a different a different type of animal. Like I cook I cook all the time. You know I. I most of the meals I eat are meals that I cooked, you know, scratch myself. Not that they're good or complex, but, you know, I take raw ingredients. I make them into food. I don't bake. I never bake. 
So, uh, you know, why are you a sourdough guy? What's, what's up with that? Um, I think I really enjoy making food like it was made a really long time ago. Not because I think it's any better. I think it's probably, a, a, you know, a lot better nowadays. Um, but I enjoy the, uh, how do I put it? The complete control, I guess, over all the ingredients where it's like, this is my cultivated sourdough. You know, I've, I mean, I've, I've researched, you know, how to grow wheat. I just decided it's way too much work, but I still like having it in the back of my head. I like to have as much control over something as I can. Mm -hmm. I think sourdough is a good place to start. Yeah, I suppose that's uh, that's like the ultimate accountability, right? Because the end product is uh, the culmination of, you know, I mean, that's just on you, right? Yeah, it's like everything, you know, everything is really on me at that point. Okay, well, good. Um, I think it's, sourdough itself, is, I think, is a lot of fun. It's it's harder. It's it's a lot harder to kind of rein in that that yeast and get it get it to where you want to be. It's harder compared to other bread styles, you would say? Is that what you mean when you say yeah, it's harder? It's not, yeah. It's, um, it, it acts differently than, than yeast that is, uh, that is bread for baking. That is ready at your go. Right? Uh-huh. Nice. Very nice. Now, uh, so you're gonna you're so you're calling it you're saying it now sourdough Saturday from now until summer baby. Yeah. Now yeah. the sourdough video that you made, uh, I don't remember which episode it was. Maybe thirteen, fourteen, maybe something like that. So, yeah, I think in that thirteen, fourteen range. Now the Eden product was really, really nice. I remember seeing that that grin on your face when you when you broke that baby open. You looked very pleased. How was that bread, relatively speaking, to, as far as sourdough goes? Were you happy with that result? Uh, I was I was happy, but I wasn't thrilled. I I definitely made better, um, and I think I think I was rushed a little bit at that time. Um, in the in the proofing point, and I think I could do a little bit better. Do you? No, sorry, that the um, what would that be? The uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it. My apologies. This is bad. Bad podcasting. Oh, that's all right. This is already bad. This started as bad podcasting. We're fine. The, I'm sorry. I figured the bulk fermentation part. Okay. Do you, uh, so as somebody who does this professionally, you know, uh, preparing food, do you feel like having a, a camera or documenting your process? Does that put any, do you feel like that puts any added pressure or for you, is it just business as usual? It doesn't really change anything. Is it more stressful? Uh, um, it's a little bit more stressful. I think it's, it makes me realize my flaws a lot more. I think there's, I, you know, since I started cooking, I've always, played a game where I always try to pick two two things wrong with everything I make which um I think saying out loud sounds very toxic but I think it's very I love uh, it I think that's I know I, I love it I, yeah I, I enjoy you know I enjoy it and I used to make Michelle pick or my wife uh, Michelle pick out two things wrong with everything I make and I think she got a little sick of that but I still try to pick out two things wrong that I can you know I shouldn't say uh, wrong two things I can improve on um in everything I make 
and I, you know, very rarely have I not been able to do that. So I think there's always room for improvement. Um, when I, when I go back and look at videos, I, you know, I definitely think like, yeah, definitely in a production value, like, oh man, my cupboards are open or <laughs> that counter doesn't look very clean or, um, you know, I shouldn't have, you know, there's a lot of production stuff. There's a lot of like, you know, most recently, the most recent video I released was um, a salad video. And Niswa. Yeah, the Niswa salad. Yep. And uh, I wish I would have, you know, there's little things like I, you know, I should have tossed something as starchy and big as a potato and as solid as a potato. I should have tossed that in its own vinaigrette and then plated it. You know, like little things like that. I think there's always uh, stuff to think about and work, work on. So I think it's it's actually been good for me to to think about something before I make it because i think i've been getting lazy and not thinking about things before i make them especially for dinner uh for my family and um and really thinking about things and then looking back on things as well yeah i think that's really interesting and i think you know that i I think that concept can be applied to a lot of things right it's kind of rare to have the opportunity that you can kind of uh, uh do things that are very normal you would do every day you wouldn't think about it but have some sort of framework in which you can maybe set a little bit more intention with it or care a little bit more, or I don't know, yeah. just, you know, commit to the process of it being better. Maybe it's not something you're doing uh, for work, but that doesn't mean that what you're doing can't, you know, I don't know, you can't try to make it better, you know, improve the process or whatnot. Um, you know, cooking's a weird thing in which you can, everybody does it, or at least eating, everybody does it, you know, two to three times a day. I mean, you can't, you really can't think of another job in which that, that's a, that's a, uh, an everyday thing. Every yeah. day. Every day, everyday thing for every person. Every person. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Yeah. Some people are phenomenal. Some people, yeah. And <laughs> even just the spectrum of, uh, uh, people's relationships with food. Right. I mean, even that is, uh, quite varied, you know, somebody who cooks a lot, somebody who doesn't, somebody who cares a lot about what they eat, somebody who doesn't, you know, care at all about what they eat, somebody who wants something complex, somebody who wants something simple, somebody who are eating for, I don't know, fitness versus somebody who's eating just to get full. It's, uh, that's, uh, you never get sick of that. Right. I mean, who knows? Yeah. You spend an entire lifetime, you know, uh, dealing with that. I, yeah, I think that's really interesting. So, uh, so maybe there's a little bit of added pressure, but it sounds like you've been able to kind of, um, use that as a mechanism for improvement or just, you know, uh, continuing to think about what you're doing, having intention and trying to improve processes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's, it's the kind of the part of the job that I miss. And it's, I think munching with Michael has provided that that's something to look forward to, something to think about when you're not, uh, you know, when you're not about to do it, I guess, for lack of a better way to describe it. Yeah. And something then, to, you know, look forward yeah. to. Yeah. And that's interesting too, because, uh, just because you're, um, you're not like out of the house going into somebody else's kitchen and, you know, quote unquote, punching it and working. That's not to say that you don't have other avenues and food that you're working with. I mean, you have a, you have several other things that you're doing right now that I'm aware of, right? Involved with food based out of your own home, right? Because I know that you've been doing um, meal, you've done meal prepping, right? For other people. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So I, I, I am meal prepping for a bodybuilder right now. It is, um, 
it's it's maybe a reminder of how some people eat. Um, it's you know nothing I'm proud of is a, is the wrong way to say it, but it's an it's a different different way of cooking than I'm used to. It's it's very much you know uh, interested in the in the nutrient count more than the flavor or more than the technique or more than the looks. It's more of like how how can I get my my protein and my fat and my carbs in the most efficient and uh, I guess best tasting way. Yeah, and probably clean. I would imagine simple simple ingredients. I would assume. Uh, you know what? This guy doesn't really care. He he uh, he loves the fake sugar. He loves. He doesn't. He doesn't really care. To be to be honest, as long he, as he's hitting his macros, he doesn't care. He, as long as it meets his. Cr- criteria yeah so um, so, so oh yeah just he, like like uh ground beef he likes he likes ground beef he likes it in a sauce and he likes it uh with some boiled cauliflower hell yeah so that for him. yeah baby so <laughs> gains gains yeah that's what he's that's what i mean that's what he's interested in and it's nice to be reminded that uh you know, sometimes you got to eat to live and sometimes you live to eat. Sure, for sure. definitely eat to live. Food is fuel. I mean, that's, I, I, I feel like I very much align with that. The food is fuel. I mean, like most of the time during the week for lunch, I, I skip breakfast. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an intermittent faster, but I'm definitely like a eat at lunch, eat a big uh, dinner and, um, yep. I and, eat, and I, I don't snack. around 11 or 12. Yeah. Yep, 11 or 12, try to be done by about 8 o'clock in the evening and just don't really snack, you know? But, I mean, my lunch is usually a microwaved sweet potato and shredded chicken that I cooked in an Instant Pot. And maybe I'll throw ranch or maybe I'll throw some seasoning or maybe some avocado. But other than that, I'm like, yeah, I know I'll eat that. I know it makes me feel good. And maybe it doesn't taste that good. But if I'm on my lunch break, I'm not really thinking about, you know, I don't know. Food is fuel. At the end of the day, it is. Yeah, you know, as one of my friends said, it'll make a turd. I asked him, yeah, I was asking about food. He said, yeah, it's pretty good. I'll make a turd. That'll make a turd. I said, yeah, I guess you're right. So, um, so you're doing that, and then you're also doing Zoom cooking classes. Is that correct? I don't know if that's ongoing, but I remember uh, I you telling doing, me. Well, I am doing a, a Zoom cooking class every Sunday. So today would be a Sunday as well. And we did, um, we did cook Avon today, which is fun. Um, yeah, that's been, that's been a lot of fun. I think it's gotten me, uh, to be a better teacher, which I think is the biggest, that's been, you know, teaching has been the hardest part of going from a cook to a chef is, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, you're a, you're a pretty good cook. You understand cooking and you, you know, you come to work on time and you don't fuck around. Uh, so how about you're in charge of things now? And I think there's not much training in, um, in becoming a chef. I'm just going to pop this here beer. Yeah, yeah, please Forgot do. that I had some down here. And, um, yeah, so I think that, you know, I think the, and I think this, from what I've talked to to other managers, um, when, you know, as my friends have become managers, I think the managing of people is just this very, very difficult thing um, to get, to get people, <laughs> people to respect and, uh, and listen to you as a, it's just very different than what you're you're used to. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then that's uh, yeah. So I think oh, yeah. So I, I, I was just saying, um, 
so cooking, these cooking classes have been, I think, taught me that the baseline is different for everybody and uh, how to be a better teacher. I think that's definitely helped. I definitely, I feel like that uh, comes through in your videos a lot. Cause that's one thing that I've noticed with all the videos, like pretty, uh, with everybody whose videos aren't yours, you can tell that we just screw around and cook for fun. And, you know, maybe we come out with a product that tastes good or whatever, like the end result is all right. But listening to you talk, it sounds so effortless and that it, that's frustrating for me because you know, I spend, you know, several hours like getting the right angle and sometimes I'll script out what I'm going to say and I try to come up with almost storyboards to oh, make sure. Oh, I don't sure. do any of that. Yeah. See, I do that to make sure that the composition <laughs> of the video like follows what I think makes a good video and I go back and I watch my stuff a lot, quite a bit because I want to make a good product. You know, if I'm going to do something, I want it to look good. I want to be able to show it to anybody and I, maybe it's not professional. Maybe nobody cares about it, but if I think it's cool, then, um, you know, it, if I think it looks like I care, then I think it's good. But I watch yours and yours are so easy to watch. Yours are so easy to watch. And you can tell that you might not do any of that stuff, but the way that you present what you're going to do, the way that you, you know, measure things out, the materials, even the, I realize I don't own a whisk. I've been, I've had a whisk envy watching you even whisk something <laughs> up. I'm like, man, I need to get one of those. Cause I don't have a whisk in this house. And so I think that's funny. I feel like I could spend so much time. I mean, I even go through and spend time chopping and editing up my voice, what I say. I try to eliminate breaths. I say, um, a lot. I always say what we're going to do next, or here's what we're going to do. Like half of what I'm saying are those little phrases that have nothing to do. And, uh, so it takes me a long time to edit those out and I watch yours and it's, you know, there's none of that, you know, it's so natural. It's so natural. And, uh, I wanted you to know that, like, I noticed that and I enjoy your videos so much because it's just so clear that you actually know what you're doing versus us dicking around <laughs> making grilled cheese and cooking pork shoulders all day and uh, stuff like that. So, Jim, that's that's a really nice thing to say. That's a very I'm actually kind of touched. I I promise you, I would not tell you that unless that's how I felt. But I mean, I, it's absolutely true. Like that's even why on the our little Instagram handle recently, I've been like tinkering with what because you only have X amount of characters to describe what you're doing, and I think I eventually landed on where one actual chef and his friends, you know, share tales everyday tales from the kitchen because it's just so clear when you watch these videos, like. There's people that are just having a good time. And I, you know, I think there's merit in that just showing like, this is what it looks like when a normal person cooks. Not that that's even interesting to anybody, but yeah, watching you do something is, uh, it's really enjoyable and it makes me realize I'll probably spend my entire lifetime and never sound as natural, uh, or as intentional. Uh, but I'll try, you know, I've got a lot of time to try. So hopefully knock on wood. That's the, that's yeah. That's the goal. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say, Jim. I'm, I'm, thank you. Well, that keep making videos and I, I keep, just, you say. keep making videos and I look forward to a sourdough Saturday. And now that whole 30 is done, that's actually a phenomenal segment actually, because whole 30 is kind of the reason why we're even, uh, you know, getting into this podcast today. But, um, I know that, uh, Alyssa was really impressed with sourdough bread, your sourdough bread. And hopefully we can try out some of those recipes. Cause I'd really like to uh, try my hand at, uh, baking. Cause I've never really messed around with it before. And it's kind of this, you know, other art form within the culinary world that to me, there's like a lot of prestige, like that's a, that's kind of next level is getting into the baking world. So hopefully with your videos, I do, can, uh, I do want to say, um, 
I don't think I said it when you when you talked about it, but yes, baking is a complete other world. And I don't think I don't think I learned that until I worked with a absurdly talented baker. Uh, when I worked with her at the Bartolotta's and we were in situations in which she would need to cook and she was clueless, <laughs> clue, just absolutely clueless in cooking. And I'm just like, I just didn't get it. I'm like, well, you, I mean, Annie, you can, you can bake and you're, you're the best. I mean, you can make these like super intricate desserts and that are just, just beautiful looking, but she couldn't make, you know, uh, the simplest, the simplest things in in a restaurant, and that I mean, she would say like, "Can you do this very simple baking thing?" And you know, the answer would be no. So I mean, it really is, and that's how they teach it in culinary school. It is two, it is two different worlds. Well, and uh, one one thing that's interesting to me, I have is, so much respect. Oh yeah, go for, ahead. I have so much respect for for bakers and. <laughs> And what they what they can do because it is it's so beautiful in my eyes. I really enjoy. I I mean I tried to make macaroons uh, as a Christmas gift for somebody, and pretty you know everything was everything was good. The the um, man, what is that called? The the egg whites and the sugar, everything like was perfect. I I can follow a recipe really well, but as soon as it took like something like piping it out that's when everything fell apart, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's just a certain amount of like finesse and touch, uh, in baking that I just don't have. And that's, you know, maybe that's why I'm interested in it. Because yeah. It's another skill. I, to me, another ba- the to me, baking yeah. parallels a lot of other art forms too. So Alyssa is a ceramics artist. And, uh, I know recently on Netflix, I've been watching this, uh, this reality, it's like a competition show blown away. Have you ever seen it blown away? It's just about glass blowers. I mean, it's another like, art competition show, but, um, you look at all these, uh, you know, you talk to ceramics artists and you look at these glass blowers and stuff like that. And, uh, what makes me think about baking is all of them seem to say like, never fall in love with the piece that you're making on until it's completely finished because it's nothing until it either for ceramics, it would be until it comes out of the, um, until the, until it comes out of the kiln. Right. Because you can form, you can sure. make the perfect form, you can you know, get it fired the first time, the glaze where you add the color can go well, and then you do it again. But if anything goes wrong throughout that process, uh, then the entire piece could be garbage. You know, It doesn't matter how good steps one through nine are if on step 10 something goes bad or something like that. Same thing with the, you know, the glass blowing. In this, uh, this show, they always say, you know, so like something breaks halfway and they're like in love with it and they say never fall in love with it until it's done. Because you're just going to break your own heart. I feel like with baking, that's similar too, right? Like maybe maybe it is. Maybe that's not true. But no, I I think that's very accurate. Um, and Jim, I know we got to go back to Phil Old Thirty. I just want to share a quick story from my Portland experience. Oh, take your time. Yeah, Whole Thirty um, is kind of uh, that's kind of B. So we'll get on to uh, B whenever we get there. You know. So I uh, I was working in this bakery. This was like. So I was working with an MOF. Uh, there's a there's some sort of uh, documentary on on Netflix that shows you what it takes to be an MOF. What is an but MOF? This is a French. Uh, it's like it, it's something French. It's, uh, oh, made, okay. I, right. You know, I could I could butcher it, but it's like it's three French three French words. And if you ever see a French chef and he has 
the French flag as his collar, that's he has earned MOF. Okay. Uh, so it is this very the top of the line, yeah. you know, yeah, artisan guild, kind of like old school, been going for hundreds of years, this kind of thing. Anyway, so I was working under him. He was the owner of this bakery in Portland, Oregon, uh, uh, straight out of France, and he had like legit like pastry chefs working, like the best of the best pastry chefs working under him. And um, I'm this new guy. This is my one of my first jobs. I'm trying to uh, to you know have a good stand. So I decided to fill everybody's, you know, this this girl that's been kind of helping me out. She's a good pastry chef. Uh, so I decided to fill up her things. She has, you know, a thing of salt, a thing of sugar, you know, some flour. I fill up all of her things. She already had left for the day. I'm about to leave, and I fill up all of her things. I go on the next day, and uh, she's getting complaints on some of the tarts that she made. And uh, the day goes on, more complaints. And finally, she tries one, and she realizes that, the sugar that I filled up for her, I filled up with salt. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had filled up an entire thing of salt that she'd be making pastries out of all day instead of sugar. Um, so yeah, just going back to what you said, yeah, like you can do all these steps and maybe it's not step 10 out of 10, maybe it's step four out of 10 that you fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And you, you have no idea, it. right? You have no idea. And you have no idea. Yeah, that, I suppose that's, uh, you know, that's the double-edged sword, right? That's what, uh, I, I suppose probably when you get it right, that probably makes it that much sweeter if you get an end result that you can really be proud of. Yeah. Or just treat the sugar as sugar and salt as salt, and that's probably a good idea. Did she, Was she pissed? What happened? Did you come clean? She, she was so, she was so pissed. I believe it. Yeah, probably. But you let her. You let her know, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, oh yeah. I fill, I fill those up. Oh, that's good. That's good. I suppose a, a a meeker person would have just swept that under the rug and let her. You know, maybe that would have started the, her eventual uh, decline or, or fall into. A, she just thought she was crazy, or who knows? I don't really know. But good for you for you know you did the right thing, and I think that shows that shows uh, the character that I've yeah. come to really appreciate in you, Mike. Michael. Yeah. Mike or Mike. I don't know. You're Michael now, but you were Mike growing up. I always, I go back and forth. I think. I, I don't really care. No. Yeah. No, you don't care. You don't care at all. So then, uh, what do you think? Are we in an okay segue to whole 30? Let's go into whole 30. So we're going to go into whole 30. So today is January 31st, uh, which for folks who are counting a January 1st, whole 30, is a really popular thing. I don't know when it got popular, but it's a thing to do. I know for me personally, I think my first Whole30 was in probably January of, I'll bet, 2017? 17 or 18? It would have been 17 or 18, because I know Alyssa and I started dating, and she did dry January. It was a thing that had become a thing for her. So the first year we were dating, I did dry January with her, because I like a challenge. You know, I'm always about, what's the next thing I'm going to try to do? Uh... And then the following year, I think Whole30 had gotten on my radar for some reason. I don't remember how. Maybe I'd heard about it or had a friend. I know uh, uh, one of the gals that we graduated high school with, uh, Stephanie Jansen. Now, Steph, it's either Grunky or Granky. I'm not sure. But she's the, uh, I think she's the official dietitian for Whole30, I'm pretty sure. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did know that. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I knew about it from her, but... Um, 
Michael, do you, for those who are listening who are not initiated, who are not familiar, do you want to explain what Whole30 is? Go ahead. You go for Ooh, it, um, and I'll chime can, in you, if I feel you like can, it. You can fill in the gaps, yeah. So it is a, um, I'd say, intensive diet. Uh, for, for 30 days, you do not have any alcohol, uh, sugar, added sugar, refined sugar, um, any legumes, except for just some, like, gray area with that, with, like, green beans and uh, pea pods. Uh, no dairy. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a lot here. Gluten. Uh, no grains. Grains is, the, is a big one. Is that it? Corn. Corn is out. Is soy a legume? Soy is a legume and corn is a grain. Oh, I didn't know corn was a grain. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, corn's legumes. I think that's it. So most, I know all of the major food groups that could potentially have an inflammatory or negative effect on the system. I think that's, I think that you hit all the groups though. To me, that sounds, I think that you hit every one of them. So yeah, yeah, so for 30 days, cut them out for 30 days. And then I think the genesis of the program was to help people who maybe had food sensitivities, food allergies. Uh, Maybe they had some underlying health concerns. Maybe it was bad skin, energy levels, GI stuff. I mean, I feel like I've heard, yeah, inflammation. I've heard uh, testimonials on like a million different things. But they're like, if anything's wrong with your health, try a Whole30 uh, just to clear it up and check the before and after and see how you feel. Uh, so yeah, for 30 days. So yeah, like you said, incredibly intensive, incredibly intensive. Uh, now, is this your first whole 30? How many years have you, how, how many whole thirties have you done? Have you done more than one? This would, this would be my third. I think the first I did was maybe about five, five years ago. I learned about it through CrossFit. Okay. When I was, when I was in that, that gym. Um, yeah. And then I did another one. Uh, somewhere probably about halfway between then and now. Um, so yeah, this was my third one. I really only did it cause you did it. Yeah. That was that uh, your first, Oh, you mean this year? That was this year? Cause I yeah. brought it up. Yeah. This is my third one. Yeah. That's right. So then, uh, so you got it through whole 30. What about the, uh, or you did it through the CrossFit gym. So what about whole 30, like drew you to it? Like somebody brought it up and was it just I don't know, like a social do it with another group. You, they were talking about it. Were you interested in doing one or why, what, you know, what it's, what made you decide to do one or try it uh, out? I was, I, I've always been big into, uh, you know, let, let thy food be thy medicine. Isn't that a Shakespeare quote? Sure. Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Sounds like it. I, I've always liked restrictive diets. I think it's kind of weird that we drink the milk of a cow um, I've been into the idea that we're not made to eat grains. Um, so these have all been like ideas that I'm into, obviously in the restaurant industry, it's kind of hard to, to partake in those, but, um, yeah, it's always been, I, I always like messing around with what you eat and seeing results from that. Yeah. So then this, so this year, so this is your third, we just finished. How would you, how is, so how did your whole 30 go? So it's January 2021. How was your whole 30? Um, compared to the, uh, so the first one I did, um, I was obviously, I was in CrossFit, so I was working out a lot at the time, no kids. Um, and I, I think I went through all the emotions that they advertise, you know, you get, you feel great and then you feel terrible, then you feel like even better than great and then you feel bad and then you feel like 
just you know unstoppable i think they call it the tiger blood tiger blood um, that's right the tiger blood yeah and i went through all those emotions and this time i just kind of felt the same the i'll just be honest i felt the same the entire way through yeah um just kind of i i lived off of sweet potatoes and dates and eggs and and uh yeah I, I did I, I was expecting to get a lot out of it. I mean I lost spoiler alert, I did lose like about eleven to twelve pounds. Um Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But uh I didn't I didn't feel the, the emotional response. How did how did you do? How did you feel? I uh I'm I parallel your experience almost to a T. So this is I think maybe the fourth year in a row I've done it. I did it there was a sober October, maybe it was last year. No, sober October was 2019 and I did a whole 30. I think I made it about 25 days. I told you this, but, uh, I found out that the coconut water I was drinking all through it. There was also a hiking challenge component. So October hiking in Phoenix is still really hot. Uh, and the goal of the month was to hike the most miles. That was like the physical fitness challenge. And I got so into it. Like I got militant. I was like angry about how uh, obsessed I was with just demolishing the rest of the field, which I did. I think I, I think 128 miles is how many miles I hiked in that October. Uh, I quit on the whole 30 that year because I found out that the coconut water from Costco has added sugar and I didn't bother to check the label because I saw coconut water and was like, well, that's one of my staples. It's fine. And it wasn't until I was on my third, like liter of this (laughs) stuff that I realized there was like 20 grams of added sugar in it. I was so pissed. Um, but, uh, uh, I w- pretty similar to you. Um, mo- actually, so th- the first whole 30 I ever did was very similar to you where you go through the range of motions and it was a huge undertaking for me. Um, you know, and I did the thing, I mean like one week before I was probably throwing stuff out of the pantry. I got the cookbook. I purchased an instant pot. You know, I was on the Reddit forum for like a month prior, like researching, understanding, uh, what to expect. I basically treated it the same way as I did when I quit smoking cigarettes, where I put in this just immense mental preparation, uh, before setting out. And, uh, the first one was really hard for me, really hard. Uh, not having any alcohol was tricky, not going out. And I was, I was the person where I was, again, I was militant. I get so into these things, but I would call if we were going to go get like food with a couple, uh, or some friends out, I would call the restaurant ahead of time and ask to speak to the chef to figure out what kind of oil they would use on their grills. If I was going to get like a chicken breast or something like that, um, to make sure it was a compliant oil and stuff like that. But what I found is that after I was done with my first whole 30, most of my cooking practices, I borrowed from there. So, I mean, I eat pretty close to paleo, uh, just most of the time around the house, you know, I mean, every now and then maybe I'll want to get more protein. So I'll bring in some, uh, um, dairy, maybe I'll have Greek yogurt. Uh, sometimes I'll have cheese around, but, um, you know, grains, I don't eat a lot of grains. Oh, the moving to Texas tortillas. I, w- I was on last year was a big tortilla year for me, for sure. I had a lot of, uh, uh, corn and flour <laughs> tortillas, but this one was, this one was pretty simple. I got irritated with the no drinking a few times, but because we're not going out to eat much, much, and uh, I've been primarily working from home, it was pretty, it was same with you. I didn't feel great. I know that through the holidays, I'd wake up feeling a little foggy. Um, and that probably, I mean, that probably was uh, being hung over a little bit, but I know that cutting out drinking about two or three days uh, into the month, I, you know, I felt a lot better when I woke up. Um, and same thing, I think I lost about 12 pounds. 
um, throughout the month, which is awesome. Uh, but other than that, no, I didn't have any yeah. of the euphoric, emotional, you know, I can conquer the world or anything like that. It was just kind of business as usual. So, so I think the, the most difficult thing for me the first time around was going out to eat and hanging out with friends, which is two things we can't do right now. Um, so it, this, I mean, that made it significantly easier. Yeah, definitely. Right. This is like, this is probably the, the best year for whole 30 or between. Yeah. This year. Cause last year in January, uh, yeah. I mean, COVID wasn't really, it, it was, it was starting, but there weren't any it was precau- a thing, but we were, we didn't know what, how big of a thing. No, it was. we had no idea. It was something that we were kind of hearing about, but it was still, uh, abroad and not something that impacted us in any way. So it was still business as usual in terms of the day-to-day life. So this year, you're right. I mean, this is like the year to do a whole 30 because um, all of those tempting situations that are historically pretty frustrating are really a non-issue. So yeah, same. Whole 30, it was good. Uh, saved a lot of money. That's for sure. I know Alyssa and I, we went out to eat today. We went out to brunch as a kind of our reintroduction celebration for our accomplishments or whatever. And all told, we went out to brunch, and then we went and got a drink at the brewery right close to our house afterwards. And by the time we were done, it was like a hundred bucks for like a meal and like a round of drinks one other place. And we like on our way home, we're like, "What just happened?" You know, because we hadn't eaten out the entire month. And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's that's like yeah, that's a, a lot of money. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a week. That's a week." And people talk about Whole Thirty. They're like, "It's such a pain in the butt because if you want to buy compliant bacon, it's going to be like you know." $16 a pound or whatever it is. And if you look at the actual numbers, it's like, no, that's, that's, you know, that's not preferable. And, um, you know, once whole 30 is done, I'm not going to do like premium ingredients, but Oh my God, like one meal on that is just, it was mind boggling. I regret nothing, but, uh, yeah, with, uh, with the wedding, uh, yeah, another postponed wedding. It's like, yeah, with looking at all the finances and things going on, you're like, Oh my God, like uh, whole 30 is great for saving money. That's for sure. I think, I suppose, but I don't know. I don't know. So then, uh, one thing I wanted to know. So yeah, so whole 30 is done. Did you treat yourself to anything today? Did you wake up? Did you have a twinkle in your eye? Was it like Christmas morning getting out of bed today? Well, um, not all of us are in, um, San Antonio. So today I woke up to about a foot of snow. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, I don't mean to laugh. Uh, the pictures are beautiful. Which no, honestly, I'm so happy to see it. Um, it's it was a beautiful thing to see. Just like you know, one of those days that the entire everybody is kind of like has the same objective around the neighborhood, and everybody's shoveling or like still plowing. So I plowed about four houses today because I am lucky enough to have a very big snowplow. Um, which my my elderly neighbor she uh, she bought us a plow. And I, with the, you know, with the unsaid thing of like, you are plowing my, my sidewalk and garage and, and all that stuff. So, um, when you say so plow, yeah, do you mean blower? For, you mean a snow blower? So yeah, I'm sorry. Blower. blower. Oh, nice. Yeah. I thought you meant a plow for your, uh, you have CRV, right? Yeah. I yeah. thought you were going to, I thought you were talking uh, about no, throwing a plow a, on the front of your CRV. I'm like, Oh man, that's awesome. No, no uh, a blower. So I did, I, you know, I did hers, I did ours, I did the neighbors on the other side, I did, you know, everybody, all, all the people close to me that I know that didn't have a snowblower today, I did theirs. So I was out there for a good hour and a half. Had a um, boy. Blowing. That's great. Was, you know, fun. Yeah. People helping people. And then, we, uh, we, so, oh, go ahead. 
Uh, so I, I just, you know, the, the, the treat that I did have for myself was uh, a thick slice sourdough bread makes not fried in ghee. It was fried in, in butter. Uh, and that is that was that nice. Kerrygold? Uh, it was the Kerrygold. Yes. That's I'm uh, buying Kerrygold butter. I didn't, I had no idea that that's, uh, I guess that's what you do is what you say, right? That's, that's where it's at. It's uh, Irish grass fed. Yeah. What, what more could you ask for? All right. I can, uh, I'm trying to think, what did I have today? Oh yeah. I started my day with a cookie, a glazed sugar cookie that Alyssa brought home on Friday from her girls basketball team's victory. It was the end of uh, her high school basketball team that she coaches for. One of the boosters made, or I don't know, they somehow got these glazed cookies and she put one in the fridge, but I didn't realize this. Apparently she put it in the fridge for us to split. I didn't know that. I woke up today, like still with a little sleep dirt in my eyes, went to the fridge, opened that up and I just crushed that thing. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm like sugar buzz by like seven thirty in the morning. I'm like, this is great. I'm like the, uh, I'm like the drug addict, like out of rehab, just ready to go, like have some fun. So that was good. Uh, I, w- I just cracked open. So I I've had now four beers and two cocktails. That's actually, I did want to ask what, uh, yeah. So this is, uh, um, you know, the food is one thing, but you know, being able to have a little libation on a Sunday, especially on a snowy day when you start off, uh, you know, blowing every blowing plowing, I'll use plow because you're the, you're the local. I'll adapt to your language, plowing everybody's driveways and sidewalks and stuff. So, uh, uh, walk me through what did, uh, what did you imbibe in? I don't know if I use that word right, but what did, what do we got? Um, so about, about 12 days into whole 30, I, I saw a good deal at the liquor store of, uh, $5 off some rye. Mm. So I bought that for myself to kind of get me through, you know, the next, the next week and a half or two and a half weeks until 30 days. So I had that sitting around, uh, some knob, knob Creek rye. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, then I bought some, a, a, a Baltic Porter. I bought today which okay. is a uh lagered high high gravity porter um who from so who, a, where's it from know, for those a third space i believe is that uh third space is that a wisconsin brewery where are they from it's a it's a milwaukee yeah local milwaukee um i had some of these this is a a hazy ipa so i had one of those nice just sitting down with you to start out with um, so yeah, I made a, a couple of Manhattans with the rye, had a lot of beers at a boy uh, taught the cooking class. Cause it's usually kind of, it's pretty slow teaching that cooking class. Um, yeah. So it's been nice yourself, Jim. Have you had anything? I did. Yeah. I actually, I really wanted to wait until the podcast, but we didn't start until eight o'clock and it was like 73 degrees and just like the most beautiful bluebird day. Like, so going to a patio for, uh, for lunch and not having a drink was completely out of the question. So I had, let me see. Uh, so at lunch, uh, we went to Dos Serenos, uh, which is a brewery that opened up in Southtown San Antonio, maybe a year or two ago. Uh, we go there, their food is pretty good. So I had their Zeus juice IPA. It's like a 7.1% uh, West Coast styled IPA. That was my first one. That was my first drink. And with a warm day on the patio, it was great. It was really good. I wish they had lower ABV IPAs there, but seven is like just the standard for what they have. Uh, and then after that, I followed it up with a Bach. 
because it kind of had a kind of a spring vibe. So I uh, followed it up with one of their boxes. Yeah, tis, tis the season. Tis the season for sure, and that was phenomenal. Do you uh, know? The, do you know the story of Box? No, no, I do not. What's the story of Bach? I, I know it's a Ger- oh. I mean, it's a German style. That's all I really know. I know the profile, but I don't know. So, yeah, so the German, the German monks would would make them during Lent, so that that's why they're high caloric and low alcohol, and they would fast during Lent and they'd drink Bach. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so that makes so me they feel keep the calories up. Okay. Well, so that's, that's why it's uh, always a springtime beer too. Oh man, that's unfortunate too because uh well that's interesting because they had the uh, they had the ca- on the menu they had the calories listed with the ABV uh and they had a pint of that Bach at 150 calories which was relatively low compared to the other ones and they said that one came in at like almost 7% which I thought was interesting for a Bach. I usually think of a Bach as like a a low ABV lager with some really, really nice, like, you know, multi characters to it for, you know, like it's got good body, good taste, low ABV. It's like my, my grandpa's like favorite profile. That was like his thing. Like flavor and low ABV was like his, that was his joint, but they said that this one was lower. So, um, I thought it was too good to be true. So it seems like I had an inverted Bach where it was, they had it listed as low calorie, high yeah. ABV, but yeah. it's actually the opposite. I'll have to march. I'll have to tell him. That's that's what I, that's that's the story I heard. I like your version. I like your version. That makes sense to me. So, well, I don't know. We had that, and then afterwards we went to Free Tail, which is a brewery that's right over the tracks from our house. It's about a block away. We realized they just opened up a patio that's dog friendly. We had a, both of our dogs with us, and I realized that from their patio you can actually see the roof of our house. So it's a stone's throw away from our house, uh, and I am a Mug Club member of that brewery. Uh, so late last year I spent a hundred bucks and then I get a 22 ounce glass mug that I get pint pours for the duration of the year. And on Sundays they do $3 pints. So I get $3, 22 ounce pours every Sunday for, uh, the entire year. So I got their pale ale. It's just kind of middle of the road, 5% pale ale, good flavor, uh, not too crazy. And it was great. And then now I'm having a, uh, I poured myself two fingers of Diplomatico spiced rum which I got turned on to by my father, Dennis Schultz. He's a big guy of Diplomatico. This rum, it's it's so good. I'm not even a rum person, but like this rum is like my favorite sipping spirit. It's so good. See, I, I was just going to say you're a rum person though, because I think you drink, you drink the most rum of anybody I know. I do, but even it's just this one spirit. I've never purchased, I think... I think I once bought a bottle of Mount Gay rum like 10 years ago after Mark told me about Mount Gay or I think it was Mark that was talking about Mount Gay. And I thought it was funny at the time. So I was like, oh, well, I'll get a bottle of that. I think it was awful or I didn't, you know, I didn't, I don't know. I'm not even a rum person. I just am this spirit and I just got turned on to it by my dad. And now, you know, I've got a bar cart with, you know, some, you know, I've got a little bit of bourbon. Basil Hayden's is a scotch I don't mind. Um, I've got some decent gin and stuff like, a, you know, a decent little bar cart. But this is really the, the spirit that I sip on. It's just this rum. But I'm not a rum guy. Maybe I am. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But that's what we did today. And yep. then I had a, I had fried wings. I had wings, and then I had a black bean burger. That's what I decided to do, a black bean burger. And it was so good. <sighs> Bam-blam. Bam-blam. Yeah. So that's it. So, yeah, that's the Whole30 recap. Yeah, it was a good Whole30 I'm glad um, it's done. I'm glad to drop the weight. 
I, you know, I, I always say this at the end of a whole 30, but I think, I think I do want to start eating more like that throughout the week. Uh, maybe not that like militant, but maybe, you know, eat, eat a little bit cleaner as a, as fellow munching with Michael member Tress would say, sure. Um, eat a little bit cleaner. That yeah. was actually a question that I had for you was, um, how much, or, you know, because I would assume, I think it's probably fair to assume that you do the cooking for your family most of the time, I would assume, unless Rennie's helping you with a PB and J, uh, you're Michelle, probably, you know, I, I've been with my wife for 10 years now and, uh, she has never made dinner. Not once. I think that's probably, do you think that's why she locked you down? I don't offer much else. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that for a second. You know, you've got a, uh, cute little wee Rennie running around, you know, that, uh, that's probably significant. I mean, you know, it's not like you carried or anything like that, but, uh, you know, you helped out a little bit. No. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. So that was it. So she was in it for the meals then. So then, so you being in charge of everything. So whole 30, then the, the makeup of whole 30, how does that compare to what your just, you know, typical weekly cooking looks like? Is there, is it a huge deviation or, you know, is there, do you have staples throughout the week that aren't, I don't know, is it a radical shift in what you usually do? It is absolutely a radical shift and I won't continue it uh, for them. So, um, as you know, and our listeners do not know, my wife is pregnant again. So and wonderful. I have a a two two and a quarter year old, so you know she's two years three months. So they they pretty much live off of uh, noodles and um, uh, you know rice, those kind of things. Yeah. So that's just it's just not in the cards for me to make family meals. But sure. for the entire month of uh, January, I made my own meal and then I made them a meal. Man. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. So I think I can see myself continuing to do that. That's a lot um, of dishes. It's a lot of dishes. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Now, Michelle doesn't cook. Does she help out with the dishes? Uh, we switch off the the bath for Ren, my daughter, and the dishes. Okay. So she will sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So, you well, you guys have a system, you know. You guys use your dishwasher. Do. do you guys have a dishwasher? We do. Do you yeah. use the dishwasher? I try not to, but Michelle's a big, a big fan. Yeah, we have a dishwasher in our home. We don't use it. I think I've run it maybe twice, and I think about that. I'm like, why don't we use the dishwasher? And then I just never do. We're just Alyssa grew up in a house where it's, they only. It's, it's supposed to be better, right? It's very inefficient, and but, I try not to use it. Okay, all right. Because it's inefficient, that's why you try not to use it. Because it, it's a waste of water. Yeah, and okay. power. Is it bad for your tools? Uh, I would never stick like a knife and never stick a knife in a dishwasher. Okay. We'll save this for the next podcast. But I've had other, I've had other ideas where I want to talk about what can you not live without? This will be a different thing. Cause I want to talk about your tools in the kitchen. Okay. okay so you would not throw a knife in the dishwasher ever. Ne- never, never. Okay. Uh, just really quickly for those who are still listening almost two hours in. Uh, dishwashers wash through abrasives. They don't wash through soap. So it's pretty much like, it's not exactly, but it's th- like throwing sand, something that will, will hit off everything, all the, the, the dirt from your plates, right? So you don't want to wash your knives in an abrasive 
because it'll dull your knives. That's how they don't wash through soap. They wash through abrasive. Interesting. Uh, that's why you would never throw your, your knives in a dishwasher. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So for anything other than a knife, I hear abrasive. I'm like, that's awesome. That means I don't have to scrape the crap off my, uh, you know, plates. That one that's been sitting in the sink for a day and it's all crusty and dried out. Just throw it in the dishwasher and it's good Yeah. because it's an abrasive. But for a nice edge, no, you don't want to do that. No. Good to know. All right. So then you guys split the dishes. You are you are not a dishwasher person. We also are not dishwasher people. Uh, I don't mind it actually doing dishes. You just kind of zone out, throw something on, and it's kind of a, I don't want to say meditative, but you know it's like one of those little things. So well, you know, nice. I feel like a lot of our listeners are listening to our dishes, our to to our podcast while doing the dishes. Oh, actually, that would be uh, that's actually a pretty good avenue for advertisement. Listen to us while you do your dishes, and I hope to God uh, that it doesn't take the entire episode. Has it really been almost two hours? Is that where we're at? Um, we are. Where are we at? I, I I saw it before. I can't I can't get it. The probably an hour and a half. Time. It says nine thirty five. I know we probably yeah. started around eight oh five. All that. So it's probably been yeah hour and a half of uh, rolling. I think. Yeah, I'm recording this in GarageBand on my computer, and it just goes by the musical bars is how it goes. So we're at bar 2,491. So I don't know how much time that is. I just know that we're at that many measures. So, Is that a 4-4? Four, four? Uh, it is. Yeah, it's in 4-4. Four, four. That is in 4-4. Four, four. Good question. That's a great question. Yeah, 4-4, four, four, and then uh, uh, that's at a 120 BPM, 120 beats per minute. So uh, that's the tempo. Which is a decent tempo. That's kind of quick. It's not super fast, but that's uh, pretty quick. Yeah. Well, let's take a look. Now, let me take a look at my list. Let me do a list recap because before we got on, I wanted to write things down on a list. Because I thought that we would have to follow this outline uh, and I'd have to constantly check it. But this is actually the first time I'm looking at it. Uh, and it basically chronicled um, chronicled everything really nicely. So... That's a success. I think, yeah, I mean, I think this is pretty much the range of topics that I was looking for. Now, while you have uh, the attention, are there, any other, uh, are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about today while we're on? Um, no, I think we hit everything I wanted to talk about. Very nice. Well, I'll yeah, tell you what. Good. Well, let's go ahead. I'm going to wrap up the recording. Stay on the line so we can, uh, we can touch base on this. Uh, but I'm going to go okay. ahead and let our listeners go right now. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of the Munching with Michael podcast. Uh, this was your Whole30 recap and introduction to the Godfather Michael. Uh, keep listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram where we're reg regularly updating content. Uh, you can follow us on TikTok. We made a TikTok and we posted one TikTok. Uh, maybe we'll have more of that. I don't really know. Uh, and then we'll be sure to keep these podcasts rolling. Uh, we've got some other stuff lined up, so stay tuned in the works and I would say keep eating good. Michael, you got any other send offs? Um, I think since this is a podcast, you're supposed to say, remember to rate and review. Oh, okay. Rate and review everybody and hashtag keep eating good.